Hello and welcome to Following the Rules. This is a podcast about the rules shaping UK and EU financial services and the people responsible for understanding and implementing them. Because in one of the world's most regulated sectors, following the rules isn't always easy. I'm your host, financial journalist Lucy McNulty, and every episode I'll be asking the most influential personalities in financial regulation for their input on the sector's most pressing issues. Now, more than ever, our communications are distributed and digitally connected. They are the lifeblood of the enterprise. With Smash, you can leverage all of your communications as a strategic asset. Smash enables companies to transform oversight into foresight by surfacing business critical signals in more than 100 digital communication channels, from email to WhatsApp to Zoom and many more. Regulated organizations of all sizes rely upon the Smash portfolio of cloud-native, AI-enabled digital communications capture, retention, and oversight solutions to help them identify regulatory and reputational risk within their communications data before those risks become fines or headlines. Smash serves a global client base spanning the top banks in North America, Europe, and Asia, along with other leading financial firms and various government agencies. To discover more about the future of communications capture, archiving, and oversight, visit www.smarsh.com. As you get more focused rulemaking on this and more exacting standards, being able to be very clear about what your asset or product does is going to become vitally important. Let's not get carried away with this current iteration of the rule set and let's really look at where the technology can take us and can take every industry. Today's guests detail the opportunities they believe that lawmakers missed when drafting their plans to regulate crypto assets in the UK. They explain how financial services regulation could be improved if the industry's watchdogs did more to integrate technology underpinning crypto assets into their operations. And they offer advice to compliance and regulatory execs looking to make the jump from working in traditional finance to roles within crypto. Andrew Henderson has spent two decades in financial services law. Since 2022, he has worked as a partner in law firm Goodwin Proctor's private investment funds and financial industry practice, where he advises companies on financial services regulation and risk management, as well as on fintech and crypto assets. Alex Royal is a former trader who spent five years working for UK and EU regulators before moving into crypto. Since 2022, he has worked as head of compliance and regulatory affairs for Europe, the Middle East and Africa at the crypto-focused investment bank Galaxy Digital. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Alex. Welcome to Following the Rules. Hi. Lucy, hi. Thanks for having us. Well, let's start with a brief overview of your roles. Andrew, are you able to tell us a little bit about your remit and what's topping your to-do list? Yes, Lucy. I'm a partner in our financial regulatory team. The focus of my practice is providing legal advice on how regulation applies. And a lot of our clients over the last few years have been those that are either providing crypto-related services or looking to do so. And then a part of my practice is also advising those that are looking to establish businesses or sell and buy businesses and those who are looking to establish funds. Okay, and Alex, same question to you. So I'm head of compliance and reg affairs across EMEA for Galaxy Digital. We're a B2B focused crypto firm covering the entire spectrum of the digital asset space. My role is considering strategic opportunities in developing regulatory frameworks. We have divergence of approach, shall we say now, between Europe and UK and further afield engaging with regulators and looking to plot a course through that. Also overseeing the compliance operations of our EMEA operation. 
Okay, and I imagine that's a busy role currently. And we're speaking, obviously, not long after the UK government has unveiled a suite of proposals that aim to pull large swathes of the crypto industry into the type of regulatory regime that applies to traditional financial institutions and assets. And these proposals announced in January are subject to consultation. But they are the clearest sign yet that the government is determined to transform the UK into a hub for the crypto industry. And they come after multiple failures, scandals or frauds in the industry involving, for example, so-called stable coins such as Terra or lending platforms, including Celsius, and of course, the collapse of SBF's FTX crypto empire. Andrew, do you think the UK government's proposals help address issues in the sector? And if so, how so? They do. But I think it's right to say that they are not purely focused on recent scandals. Those have no doubt served as an accelerator to these changes. But they are an evolution of the approach that the government has already taken. The initial reaction to a paper like this can be that the government is seeking to over-regulate, it's seeking to stifle business. But the truth is the legal certainty that this helps bring enhances business. So a more comprehensive regime has only got to be good and frankly if one goes back a number of years, where initially, certainly the Financial Conduct Authority, the FCA, disclaimed jurisdictional power over crypto assets, but nevertheless warned people about unregulated crypto assets. They then looked at the question around the avoidance of financial crime and anti-money laundering and imposed registration requirements on crypto businesses. So that was the way that crypto regulation first began to bite. They then consulted on rules around what we call financial promotions, which really govern the marketing and advertising of crypto assets. And actually, that process is still in place. And one of the features, which came out together with this most recent suite of government changes, was the acknowledgement that most crypto firms would be unable to approve advertisements for crypto products. And they've actually watered down the proposal to make it more practical. But the most recent suite of changes, as I say, represent a merely an adaptation of what there is, ensuring that the actual regulated activities are more specific to crypto. Also looking at rules around the issuance and disclosure regime. And again, this links back into marketing. But what you see as a feature is the need for the government to try and align standards to what's already there. So there's an overlap of the standards, say, for the offering of securities under prospectus rules. They then are going to focus on the responsibility of crypto asset trading venues, and to be very clear about defining content requirements for admission and disclosure, and general standards of operating those types of platforms. They're also looking at further regulating intermediation activities, really focusing on the rules, for example, around custodians, noting things like conflicts of interest, governance, capital and liquidity, and segregation of client assets. Now, the final main recommendation is a market abuse regime for crypto assets. And again, seeking to really adapt or apply the existing rules that we have around, say, the market manipulation of securities to really extend those and to adapt them for crypto. So it's a broad suite of rules. Many of them resemble what there already is for other financial service providers. But one of the points that the consultation makes very clearly is that this regime has to be commensurate to the risks that crypto poses. So don't expect, I would say, a regime for crypto that is the same as, say, the regime for investment banks. And the government also highlights that they want to ensure that these proposals can help really unleash the benefits of technology. They recognize there's a real opportunity for the UK 
and they don't want to stifle that. So hopefully that sets the scene on some of the detail. Alex, what is your view on the consultations and given the turbulent period that the crypto sector has seen recently, is there more that could be done to restore confidence in the sector in your view? The one thing I would add is there's going to be clarity around the solicitation framework within the UK. So something that a lot of the industry in the UK has rallied against. So at the moment, there is no real concept of reverse solicitation within crypto because there's no general prohibition or perimeter that's put up there. And I think where a lot of the perception of consumer detriment has come from is this idea that foreign firms outside of the UK are free to solicit into the UK. And there's a piece in the consultation that says they might try and implement a much narrower reading of the concept of reverse solicitation in relation to crypto. And seeing how that will develop is something that I'm quite interested in. That's one paradigm shift that we're going to start seeing for crypto firms in the UK to look to engage with. And subsequently, people in my position are likely to start moving to a more offensive posture as opposed to a defensive one now that there's something to engage on and some clarity to rally around in a sense. And what I mean by that is when you're trying to strategically plan to assist a business in establishing a presence within a jurisdiction, up until the moment that you have an element of clarity, you're just spinning plates and you're trying to plot a path through that. And that is a very defensive place to be in because you're effectively the goalie (laughs) with no defense in front of you. You're trying to stop everything all at once. And now we have something to coalesce around. We have something which we can digest, we can plan, we can say, well, this is how we can look at target markets, get market product fit. And then in relation to the confidence point following the recent period, confidence cuts both ways. The industry has a lot to do in order to regain confidence as much as regulators have to provide a framework and guardrails around which confidence can be built. This consultation is going to go a long way. There's a lot to underline that shows that the government have been fairly pragmatic in the way that they're going to approach this. But there will be an element of tempered engagement as regulators, quite rightly, don't want confidence to spill over into exuberance. That's something a lot of people that have rallied against crypto regulation have always pointed at is that if you regulate it in some way, you legitimize it, and then everyone thinks that it's safe. And regulation doesn't guarantee anything. It just puts up a framework or creates a sandpit that everyone needs to come and play nicely and effectively. So legislators in the industry can now come and talk about something rather than complain to each other about what's going on. And I think that is going to foster a more collaborative environment within the UK. And we can also start to take a comparative analysis against what might be going on in Europe. And we're generally uh, globally moving towards a set of standards, which will help underwrite a, a new level of hopefully responsible confidence, shall we say, within the space. Okay. And just for listeners that might not be familiar with the concepts, reverse solicitation, as Alex just referenced, is a regulatory construct typically has been used by UK funds in the years following Brexit. It allows UK funds to service, for example, EU clients who have contacted that fund so long as they haven't directly marketed for that client. So it's a niche regulatory construct, but it has a huge impact on businesses. As someone who's been looking at this concept probably for the last 12 years, it is mercurial best, even in established areas. And that actually, even when you're advising on it, what you end up doing is not giving clear legal advice, but rather ascribing a legal risk rating. And I think that legal risk rating point becomes important to Alex's point around crypto, because the authorities may be concerned that the consequences of not regulating solicitation 
because you've been able to argue that it's done a reverse basis, are potentially greater for the much broader crypto investing public, say, than it would be for the narrower private fund investing community. So it's very interesting, certainly, to see very focused discussion around reverse solicitation in crypto. And it doesn't surprise me because it, it is a construct, as you say, that is capable of certainly being exploited, if not abused. Mm-hmm. Well, be interesting one to watch how that plays out. Do either of you believe that there are any unforeseen opportunities or challenges that lawmakers are missing currently? The core point of getting this right and being one of the first jurisdictions to get this right, I don't think we should ever undermine the importance of that. I think if you have a adoptive framework that allows the incumbent financial industry to come and engage in good faith and safely within crypto economy, the part of the pie that that jurisdiction wins will extend beyond just the crypto element of that puzzle. If you can bring economies of scale across traditional financial services and crypto financial services within one framework and within one hub, you'll get a disproportionate reward from that as a jurisdiction. And I think that's something that the UK framework here is trying to do by endeavouring to create one point of authorization and one regulator and one framework where people will be within the regulatory perimeter and then they will have various permissions that's an activity level and then at the asset class level introducing crypto as one of those available asset classes is a great way of doing it and that's certainly a divergent approach than we've seen in europe with mika where that is a large piece of its own bespoke text and then the other side of this and and something i've spoken to andrew about in the past is I think there's a bit of a shame about the underlying blockchain DLT paradigm shift in technology being introduced to society through the lens of financial services, because it suddenly gets wrapped up in this aggressive set of rules and regulations and principles. And a lot of it's very, very difficult to understand, even if you work in the industry. And so to then have any faith in the underlying technology in the future years when it starts getting rolled out into other aspects of society where there would be large swathes of benefit even you try and convince someone now oh we'll go put the housing register on the blockchain someone will probably rightly have questions about well can't someone just come and steal my house or the legal title to my house and things like that and i think reframing and re-underwriting the benefit that the technology can bring outside of the concept of financial service as a secondary effect to getting this right and something that legislators particularly shouldn't take their eyes off. Okay, so you have focused on opportunities that you hope that policymakers and or the industry will seek to embrace once these rules are bedded down. Am I right in therefore thinking that you don't believe there are any unforeseen challenges that lawmakers are missing currently? biggest challenge generally is the movement from the legislative side to the regulatory side. It's all very well and good having a robust legislative framework, but how that is implemented at the coalface is actually where the rubber hits the road, right? And unless there's an approach that gets that right as well, the legislature provides the tools with which regulators then interpret how they will implement it themselves. And there is a separation there within most frameworks. So the biggest challenge will be that interpretation. And that's not unique. And that's where the industry plays an overweight part in trying to help in good faith get that piece right. And certainly regulators like the FCA, who are world leaders and principles-based regulation, where they seek proactive 
of engagement with the industry are very well placed in order to make those interpretations create and foster a good environment. Some of my peers have always wanted rules. We need rules to follow in order to go and do business without the fear of X, Y, and Z. And I say, well, no, rules are deterministic and restrictive generally by their definition. We need principles and regulators to lean into the space. And this is stage one as we get down into the more interpretive elements of it and how it'll be implemented I have faith, having spent some time there, that the FCA are more than likely going to get that right as long as the industry engages, comes to the table and meets them halfway. It's an excellent point. The quality or outcome of the game isn't always dependent on the quality of the rules, but on the quality of the referee, particularly where those rules gives those referees broad discretion. And I think by definition, crypto generally must do, then that quality becomes very important. Okay. And Alex, you'll know better than most the challenges that regulators may face when implementing rules because you've previously worked at the UK Markets Watchdog, the Financial Conduct Authority. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role there? Sure. I spent about five years there. I was almost solely in the market infrastructure supervision side of things. So I looked at largely exchanges from some of the UK's largest exchanges down to smaller challenges that were coming in with more innovative models. And I spent a couple of years over at ESMA, the European Securities and Markets Authority, where I worked on the policy side as opposed to the supervision side of things, looking at the implementation of Another previous large piece of financial legislation that came through, the MIFID II, which was drafted in the years following the financial crisis, and I was there for the fallout for Brexit and how that was going to get implemented across the financial services piece. And actually, it was when I was there at ESMA, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, when we saw Bitcoin come through and up to this $20,000 mark for the first time. And it was really there that some of the regulatory community were asking, well, do we care? Are we allowed to care? Can we do anything even if we did care? Really, since then was when I started looking into the space and wondering whether there was anything here and got interested in crypto asset policy on the regulatory side. And the FCA will inherit greater oversight of crypto activity under the government's proposals. And this comes at a time when the watchdog is navigating a seemingly ever increasing to-do list and therefore there's a lot of pressure on its resources. How equipped do you think the FCA will be to police the crypto market? And if not, what changes would you like to see the regulator implement to leave it better equipped to police the sector? From my perspective, the FCA is making great efforts to recruit staff. There's clearly an interest amongst people generally in the sector. And as far as regulators go, having had experience of some overseas regulators, the quality of staff at the FCA is very high. And you have a regime which is sensible and has clarity, and you also have clear policy, either from the government or even at the regulator itself. That also helps the staff do their job. And while there are aspects of the industry that are different, say, to the banking or fund management sector, the types of concerns remain the same. There are concerns around governance, there are concerns around disclosure, there are concerns around clean markets. And the regulators in those days should already be equipped to deal with those fundamental concerns. So certainly from my perspective as an advisor uh, to those facing the regulator, I'm optimistic. The one thing I'd like to see, this is probably over the medium term, would actually be regulators to start adopting some of the same technology that the industry that they're regulating is built on. If you look at some of the underlying architecture of public distributed ledgers and blockchains, regulators taking a look at that outside the lens of, well, how do we provide good consumer outcomes and market integrity, but how can we actually use and leverage some of this technology to make our lives easier 
would be a game changer for regulator operations. And I'd really like to start seeing them leaning in in that context, because that will also bring them closer to the industry. And so really hope regulators start to look at that side of things and really start to innovate themselves using this technology. I want to emphasize that tenfold. I can remember back in late 2017 when somebody showed me how you would undertake a trade using a blockchain, just a normal financial transaction. And the characteristics of decentralization and transparency for me meant that you had a great potential here for ease of market surveillance. People laughed at me and they said, trust the regulatory lawyer, come up with a regulatory angle. But the technology offers great opportunity you know, that has really been taken up perhaps imperceptibly, the great opportunity for traditional finance and a more effective role, particularly when it comes to things like market surveillance and oversight of transactions for regulatory authorities. And I think to Alex's point, once you actually start integrating the regulators and the regulatory functions within the technology, then there's clearly a benefit to everyone. And are either you, Alex or Andrew, taking steps to educate the FCA on the technology that could benefit them? Anyone that's engaging with regulators, we would obviously love to meet all of our regulatory obligations by using this technology. So when we start talking about our regulatory obligations, we will say, yes, but if we did it this way, look how much easier it would be. So there is that underlying natural piece there. Education is a two-way thing. You can't really educate someone who doesn't want to be educated. And I'm not saying the FCA doesn't want to be educated at all. They do, they do a lot of really great engagement on there, but they also need to be equipped and ready and willing to be able to implement something. And they're not quite at that point yet, because quite rightly, they've got a lot of other things to look at within the underlying crypto industry. But certainly when I engage with our regulators and also our lawmakers as well, talking about the underlying benefits of the technology is almost more important than talking about the regulation that impinges commercial outcomes for companies building on that technology. So my point about the broader social benefit that the technology can bring, that's a key piece of it. Okay, so industry efforts to educate the FCA on technology that exists, but FCA reservation just because they have other priorities right now. Yeah. So obviously, Galaxy Digital has been building up its presence in London in recent years, at the same time as some of your peers in the industry have opted not to focus on London and focus on markets elsewhere. What, in your view, can regulators and lawmakers do to encourage others that the UK is an attractive place for crypto firms to do business? Yeah, recent consultation and this framework, I think, is going to do a lot for that, for all the reasons that we've discussed. First of all, there is a, a coercive element of it in the sense that they're going to try and stop this free solicitation into the UK through its implementation. So some people will be forced to come if they want to maintain market that they've got here but generally win with the carrot and not the stick certainly my view anyway and the one other piece of this puzzle is going to be we're waiting to see where we're going to fall on it is the tax element and how we're going to deal with taxation of crypto assets and crypto asset transactions and things like that it would be a real shame if we have a forward-looking regulatory framework that gets taxed if anyone's successful and the two of those pieces really do need to sing together in order for a, a jurisdiction to really start winning their share of it. And then the other side of the coin is that everyone focuses on crypto business being one based on the regulatory framework. But there's also a lot of other elements and things like how do you attract talent into a jurisdiction to be able to serve the firm built on this nice new framework and providing thought to those parallel incentives. If you want to build a technology or forward-looking workforce 
you do that outside of crypto regulation and without that workforce no one will come even if you have good tax and good for regulation so that holistic approach really needs to be done to get everyone climbing over each other to come to the uk but that's the same for every single jurisdiction out there and i think the uk has the potential to really be that that hub that the government are trying to set out to realize Prospects are good. I can remember speaking to a New Yorker asking him why he was setting his blockchain-based business up in London. And he said, Silicon Valley do the tech and New York does the fin, but neither of them do the fin tech. Whereas what London seems to be getting right is that combination of both. And that does feed into London being an attractive place. Okay. And on this free solicitation into the UK and the government's efforts to clamp down on that, it taps into this whole offshore versus onshore issue that arises in the crypto space, doesn't it? In that there are a number of crypto firms that have chosen to base themselves in lighter regulated offshore jurisdictions and persuading those types of entities, those types of individuals that actually they want to embrace business onshore where market rules are tighter and where they will have to answer to regulators is quite a challenge. But you think that the UK is taking the right approach? Yeah, this consultation is doing a very good job in my view to try and say, right, in order to promote UK market integrity and UK consumer protection, we need to put up a perimeter and bring these crypto assets within the perimeter and apply the same rules that we know work very well and have iterated through a very long period to get, get us to where we are. So generally, I think that would be well received by certainly all crypto assets operating in the UK currently. And a number of firms that have created really good businesses would now look to move operations within the UK to fall within the regulatory perimeter. And that will have net benefit for employment, for tax revenue, and all that good stuff that politicians care about. But the other point to note here is that if you proceed to have a specialist regulatory system, because notwithstanding the general features, the consultation makes it clear that they want this regime to be specific or fit for purpose for crypto. If you have that re a regime like that, you're then able to point to places like Gibraltar, places like Abu Dhabi that have specialist regimes, albeit ones that are perhaps not that detailed, and say that we acknowledge the special nature of the sector, and we have made special rules that take that into consideration. But for the benefit of being part of our more general regime, and to Alex's point, giving the protection to consumers, giving the protection to markets, and that becomes very compelling. It is not just the clarity of law and effectiveness of regulators that will bring individuals to the UK. They've got to be other factors. Taxation becomes important. Being an environment that is also well supported by professionals. And if you can point to law firms, accounting firms, consultants who understand the sector as well, that's going to be a positive too. And the direction of travel in that respect is very positive. Okay, what's a common misconception that the market has about the crypto space that you would like corrected? The one that irritates me the most is the volatility question. Well, the perception of volatility is something that is a stick that is used to hit the industry with when really there's a slight lack of understanding there. No one disputes that crypto assets have a volatility profile. But when people weaponize it in a way that they do, what they're really referring to is relative volatility. This asset class is more volatile than another asset class that people may or may not invest in. And again, that's a valid point. And we have various consumer protections around whether something is suitable or appropriate in order to be sold. But where it gets a bit painful is that when you compare an asset class with another asset class, and the comparison there is one that is has huge volatility smoothing impacts, a trillion dollars of 
asset management and indexing business that goes on underneath it. And then the industry that you're hitting with that stick is precluded from being able to build those same structures underneath it to allow for the volatility smoothing effects of these huge industries. It becomes a bit of a straw man argument, and it's quite a painful one as a reg affairs policy guy to take. So for me, I'd love to start to compare apples with apples. The challenge I see is this idea that crypto assets are completely different from other asset classes. And I read an article a few days ago that said that you actually looked at the volatility of price of crude oil, you would see correlations with Bitcoin. But no one complains about, say, investing in oil futures as being inherently wrong. And the thing related to that is the perception that the law and regulation are not properly equipped to deal with that asset. I think as this consultation shows, and as I've our discussions have shown, actually the law and regulation is well equipped and is developing accordingly to do that. So the upshot of that is that the crypto assets aren't, aren't a class of thing that's entirely out there. Actually, they have a lot more in common with existing and accepted and traditional assets. Okay. So Alex, there is obviously a lot of interest in the crypto space. What tips do you have for others in the compliance or regulatory space that are looking to move to a crypto firm? Being comfortable with the velocity of change that we see is kind of something that's a little bit different. Generally, compliance standards and and policy iterate at at a relatively slow pace. You can have big changes, but you have big run-ups to these changes. Generally, people have a good time to be able to get up the curve and then you tend to engage with people who are already up the education curve with you. Within crypto, you've got to be comfortable explaining at all sorts of different levels what the problem is or or what you think the solution might be. Having worked on both sides and coming from a regulator, the other side of it is that you've got to look to reach good compliance and regulatory outcomes through a commercial lens, as opposed to trying to eke out commercial outcomes through a regulatory compliance lens. There's been a slight change in that. And it's a very, very positive thing. Compliance officers would always benefit from leaning on yes first and then seeing if it really is a yes rather than starting position of no and then trying to get comfortable with it. And within the crypto industry space, you've got a lot of companies that are seeking to grab market share in a fast evolving place. You've got not a very good set of rules or any rules at all. So everything's risk-based and you need to really try and work out what is the outcome we're looking for here. And how can we apply that so that we don't completely destroy a company's business model? Because nobody goes very far then. And then the only other thing I'd say is just stick with it. I've heard of people moving into the crypto space at the beginning of last year. And now a number of them have said, right, no, that's not for me. I'll move back after 2022. And I think that will leave 2022 where it was, but everything is generally moving forward. And really the compliance regulatory aspects of what we're trying to unpick at the moment will ultimately underpin a lot of what future business models are built on. And so by being involved now, there's really not an opportunity that I can think of previously where the direction of travel now can be so important for future businesses. So to summarise, a healthy dose of resilience and a commercial mindset are both crucial attributes for anyone looking to move from a compliance or regulatory role to the crypto space at the moment. Yeah, I always preach caution in compliance about having too commercial a mindset. The commercial capture element is obviously there. You've got to bear in mind that crypto firms are likely to be held to a slightly higher standard than non-crypto firms going forward just because of the perception of the space. But yeah, broadly trying to have a commercial mindset when you're making risk-based approaches 
approaches is going to be crucial if you're going to be successful in the space. Okay. So generally and lastly, what's one upcoming or current challenge you think not enough people are paying attention to? It will be the need for those who are subject to greater regulation to be able to explain very clearly in marketing materials and conversations exactly what rights their crypto assets give to the holders of those assets and how those rights are protected, especially in the event of an insolvency. That's been a challenge for a while, but as you get more focused rulemaking on this and more exacting standards, being able to be very clear about what your asset or product does is going to become vitally important. Most clear example of that is that if I say to you that I'm issuing you with a stable coin and you think that that single coin represents a pound or part of a pound that has been deposited somewhere in a bank, in much the same way that if I give cash to my portfolio manager, but in fact, that's not the case at all. Rather, what the coin gives me is a value that is linked to that pound, but that hasn't been described to me personally and isn't kept safe. And therefore, I'm taking risk on the person's issue, that as opposed to the underlying asset. That needs to be made very clear. And even the way I've just explained that, it's really quite complex, but it cuts to the key of what people think they're getting. Okay. And for listeners that might not be familiar with it, stable coins are a digital currency that is linked to a fiat currency. Alex, what's one challenge you think not enough people are paying attention to? I think regulators, lawmakers need to be very mindful as to the root cause of why the crypto industry has evolved and exists. There are a lot of people out there who are in the space because they have a healthy tension with regulators and regulatory frameworks and are fearfully protective of their privacy. And that in and of itself does not naturally make them bad actors because they don't want to share their personal data when they go through through an onboarding process, and that can lead to a debanking effectively of some of these people. And that's completely fine and very healthy in a normal society. But by putting too much of an incumbent frame set and rule set around the industry without giving due regards to the underlying technology and what that can do to disrupt some of those rules, I think would be a shame. So the concept of zero knowledge proofs where you can prove your identity without giving away or without handing all your information to a third party will be a phenomenal innovation and paradigm shift when you try and marry up the need to know who every single person is, but then you also have privacy laws on the other side which means that you can't tell anyone and you have to keep all that data together. So let's not get carried away with this current iteration of the rule set and let's really look at where the technology can take us and can take every industry. Okay. And as ever with the crypto asset space, there's a lot still to unpick in relation to regulating this sector and to the sector's development as well. But we've had a really informative conversation. Thank you very much for your time today. Yes. Thank you, Lucy. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Following the Rules with Lucy McNulty. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on all the usual channels. It helps other people get to know us too.